This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you once again by the Bates Motel. After 23 long years, the Bates Motel is finally back under family management and undergoing much-needed renovation. Come on back to the Bates Motel, where everything is just like it used to be. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's Mother's Day on Pod Cemetery with 1983's Psycho 2 and 2009's Grace. And don't freak out. It's Monday night, Tuesday morning ish. <laughs> Mother's Day is coming up. It hasn't passed yet. It's this Sunday. This Sunday. <laughs> so if you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> don't worry. It's okay. Before we get to the movies, we normally do trivia, but if you listen to last week's episode, you'll know why we're not doing trivia. So, if you have any really good horror trivia sources, please send them our way, and hopefully we haven't already burned through them in our 185 episodes. Four pieces of trivia an episode. (laughs) So, we're going to move on right away to our first movie, 1983's. Psycho 2, directed by Richard Franklin, written by Tom Holland, based on characters by Robert Block, starring Anthony Perkins, Vera Miles, Meg Tilly, Dennis Franz, and, whoa, Robert Loja. <laughs> After this, Tom Holland would go on to write and direct... Not that Tom Holland. No, not Spider-Man Tom Holland. <laughs> but this Tom Holland is a titan in the horror movie industry. He would go on to write and direct Fright Night, Child's Play, Thinner, and The Langoliers. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying The Langoliers is funny. Robert Block, you notice I said characters by, uh, he did actually write a Psycho 2 novel like a year prior, and this has nothing to do with that. That story has Norman Bates breaking out of the institution that he was sentenced to. Uh, And interestingly, trying to stop the production of a movie based on his life. So it was like very meta. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be a lot of fun. But that's not the movie they ended up making. No. um, Because apparently, apparently it has a very bleak view (laughs) on the Hollywood movie industry. Ah. And so they're not about to make that movie. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I said Meg Tilly, who Kelsey knows from... The Big Chill! Yes. She's the girlfriend of the guy who kills himself at the beginning of the movie. She's also Jennifer Tilly's sister. Jennifer Tilly is Jim Carrey's client in Liar Liar. I'm the victim here. I'm starved for affection. I'm driven into the arms of another man. Seven. Yeah, whatever. Ah. She is also the female Chucky. In the later Child's Play movies, which Tom Holland didn't have anything to do with. Mm. 
Also, apparently, if you're worried about this being a sequel to Psycho and how it might ruin its legacy, apparently Tom Holland, uh, writer, Richard Franklin, director, uh, they reached out to Pat Hitchcock, Hitchcock's daughter, uh, who was the co-worker at the real estate company in the original Psycho. Okay. And she said that he would absolutely love the idea of a sequel to Psycho. Oh. I could not verify. It's in a lot of stories, but nobody seems to like... Have a quote of it. Yeah, like actually tell us where that came from. So no idea if that's really true or not. But we'll talk about it later when we're done. I think this does a good job of being a sequel to the original Psycho. I think it's a great sequel. Yeah. I Because you would expect the sequel to Psycho to be terrible. Yeah. And it is not at all. A sequel, like, you know, so many years later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. But it that actually helped it. Can you tell us what it's about? Norman Bates is being released from the, from the hospital. They have cured him, supposedly. I don't know how they thought they did, because... Well, it's more about... He's very obviously still unstable. It's more about giving him the tools to combat his mental issues and being confident that he's not going to kill again. <laughs> I can see that part, but he still seems very unstable. I think it's safe to assume, on the, on the part of the state, that it would be ridiculous if somebody tried to instigate him to kill. <laughs> <laughs> that they wouldn't see that coming. Yeah. Yes, you're right. <laughs> but so he is being released, and for some insane reason, he is going back into that house, which just seems like a stupid idea. <laughs> but uh, And he very quickly starts to fall back into his psychosis. Yeah. And people start dying, and... Again, I mean, it's like it was in the original. He didn't necessarily know that he was at fault for this. Right. And so he's wondering, is he at fault for the for these new deaths? Right. Because you already told me I killed a bunch of people without uh -huh. knowing it. And now I'm a bunch of people hear my are mom dying. Again, and yeah. <laughs> so it's a very, very interesting concept. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that... Anthony Perkins does a phenomenal job. Yeah. You would think that maybe he would overdo it. You know, maybe he would play up the crazy, but it's just a hint of it. And I think he does a great job of showing this poor guy yeah. <laughs> trying to hold it together. But do you see that? The poor guy, the murderer from the first movie, <laughs> this movie manages to give you, like, sympathy for. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel important. bad for him in the first yes, movie. Yes, totally. Yeah. You don't, he's not a maniacal, I mean, like... He's he a does. pervert. He's a pervert, But yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not a maniacal person who wants to hurt people. Yeah. Anyway, the movie is available with subscriptions or ads on Peacock and IndieFlix. You could rent it for $4 in most places or buy it for $14, although it's $15 on Apple, Microsoft, and Vudu for some reason. Should people watch Psycho 2? Yeah. 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 If you haven't seen Psycho 2 and you liked Psycho 1, yes. watch it. You have to have seen Psycho. 
Yes. Don't just watch this out of nowhere. I can't imagine somebody would watch this and have not seen Psycho, but don't do that. Don't do that because you will not understand what's right. going on. Like literally everyone should watch Psycho. Yes. First. <laughs> yes. But, but you can Do you agree? It cannot stand on its own. Yeah. No, nah, yeah, it it can't. It requires the basis of the first Psycho mm -hmm. for any of this to make sense. <laughs> even if, even though the movie does kind of tell you a lot of important things, I don't think that's good enough. I don't think the first scene that they choose to show you helps you at all. Uh -huh. <laughs> if that was all I had seen and I had never seen the original, I would have been like, what the fuck just happened? Yep. I think they think it does help. <laughs> I think they think that that's enough context. Right. It's not. Maybe it's just a refresher <laughs> of one of the most famous scenes in horror cinema. Exactly. Like, is it just because, look at how cool of a scene this is? Like, why is it in there? It is weird, especially when, like, the next scene you're supposed to, like, be okay with this. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're supposed to be uncomfortable with him getting out and they need to win you over. Like, they're setting their own hurdles up to cross maybe but i just personally don't know why like i literally think it was just like remember this cool scene yeah so you could take our advice or leave it when we get back we will talk about 1983's psycho 2 i have a petition here signed by 743 people against norman bates release Madam, please sit down. This matter is being represented by the district attorney. Norman was not convicted of murder. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Don't you realize they're going to release a homicidal well, maniac? I ask you to sit down, Mrs. Loomis. It's all too obvious. Our courts protect the criminals, not their victims. Norman Bates is judged, restored to sanity, and is ordered released forthwith. It's 22 years later, and Norman Bates is coming home. I own a motel not too far from here. And you'd be welcome to spend the night in one of the empty rooms if you'd like. Good night, Mary. And he's back in business. Who is this? My mother is dead. No, I, I won't do that. You can't make me. Twenty-two years later, Norman Bates is home. Psycho 2. It's starting again. Alright, Kelsey, get us started. How does Psycho 2 begin? We see the shower scene, and it's really noticeable how weird the water is being shot at her. Yeah. Like, it's being shot at her from two different angles. Uh, we might have even talked about that when we first saw Psycho. They Why wanted to fill that? the frame with the water, and so they had more than just the water coming out of the shower head. But because they had another shower head supplying the additional water, it's very obvious that there's water coming from, from off screen at a different angle. Yeah. <laughs> They were playing around a lot with that. Like, you know, the story about the giant shower head. Apparently, they wanted to reuse that shower head in the rooms in this movie. But as much stuff that they were able to reobtain from the original, although they did remake things to, like, very fine detail. They used a lot of the original props and sets. 
that shower head had apparently been stolen. <laughs> like somebody's like, I have the shower head from Psycho, <laughs> but I don't have all this other shit. <laughs> so they had to recreate that. But yeah, go ahead. I wrote down, interesting choice, because I don't know how that helps set the scene. Yeah, they skip the one when they go to like her eye and then they move on. They, they skip like half of that. Uh, there's no drain moment. You just see that a, what appears to be a woman murdering another woman in a shower. Uh-huh. And if you haven't seen the original Psycho, you might be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to several years later. Lila Loomis. Yes. It's so incredible that they got her back. Like, it's incredible that if, okay, if it wasn't for, I think... If it wasn't for Anthony Perkins and Vera Miles being in this, this movie would have quite the uphill battle. Yes. But they contribute a lot to the legitimacy of this as a new entry in this franchise. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And I love how – I love that they can take a character that you end up hating by the original film and another character that you end up loving and by the And totally flip that? Yes. Yes. That is incredible. People people were upset that they destroyed Vera Miles' character, the <sighs> strong woman from the original. It's like, no, no it's not about that oh, anymore. she's still strong. She is still strong. She's just a little kooky now. Yeah, now she's gone crazy, and you can understand why. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, it makes it an intriguing story, and it is, it is essential for this movie to work. Yes. It makes sense that after having her sister and... A bunch of other people she knew being murdered. And almost being murdered by him as yes. well. Mm -hmm. That she might go a little bit crazy. Yeah. Especially at the thought that this murder is being set free. Yeah. You can understand why she takes the actions that she takes. Yes. And but, but what is she? She becomes, and we'll see this throughout the movie, an overbearing and controlling and an unreasonable mother. Yes. Like, that's, that, that's, that's not, core to the themes of the Psycho franchise. I but, mean, come on. But I also love that they make you think that she's gone way over the edge, and she hasn't. That is another fantastic yes. twist. Oh, there, there are twists on twists in this movie. Yes, it is. I think it's very good. I actually told my brother, guys, I was like, he asked me what movie we were doing this week. I was like, we're doing Psycho 2. And he laughed, and I was like... It's actually really good. And he was like, what? <laughs> yes, it is surprisingly enthralling. Mm -hmm. Like every every moment where you're like, and I've seen this before. And still I was like, wait, how does this play out? Like I, I still wasn't certain because it had been so long and it still intrigued me. Anyway. So yes, Vera Miles, very upset has a petition <laughs> to show that Bates should not be released, yep. but nobody gives a shit. Yep. As they shouldn't, <laughs> except that 
I don't know. I mean, in a way, she's kind of right, but she's, she's only right, right she's because... She's right because she makes herself right. Exactly. She threatened something, and then she tried to make that something come true, and then tried to claim, I was right, see? It's exactly. like, well, yeah, because you're being an asshole about because it. Because you're lying. Yeah. If you believe something is going to happen, you have to be patient and wait for that thing to happen. You don't get to make it happen and then say you were right. Yes. Ah, and his psychological representation is, whoa, Robert Loggia. And why do we know him? Well, I mean, he's a famous actor, but I keep making that reference from growing up, there was an orange juice commercial that he was in. There was a little kid who wouldn't believe his parents when his parents were saying that, Orange juice is both delicious and good for you because he refused to drink it. And they're like, well, who would you believe? And the kid's like, I don't know, Robert Loja. <laughs> and then Robert Loja comes bursting into their dining room. Are you He's serious? like, whoa, Robert Loja. <laughs> Try some new Minute Maid orange tangerine. It's got calcium. And I'm not drinking it. Oh, no, it's sweet. You'll like it. I don't believe you. Well, then who would you believe? I don't know, Robert Loja. <laughs> Oh, Robert Loja. Billy, your mother's right. New Minute Maid Orange Tangerine tastes great. This got as much calcium as milk. If you say so, Mr. Loja. Yeah. This is great. Enjoy your breakfast. New Minute Maid Orange Tangerine with calcium. Yeah. Robert Loja selling orange juice. But yes, you probably know him from Big. Like, that's where, yes, yes. you know, he's most recognizable, but he's in Independence Day. Yes. He's in Scarface. He's in Lost Highway, if you've seen Lost Highway. Like, yes, so. But yes, he's the, the boss from Big. Yes. He does the piano scene with Tom Hanks. <laughs> so he takes him to the hotel. He explains that Mr. Toomey runs the hotel. Yep. Oh, man. Mr. Toomey. And we know him. Who's yeah, it's who? Dennis France. What's he from? Oh, well, a couple of things. Probably most famous after this for NYPD Blue. Oh. But he was also in Die Hard 2, which is a Rennie Harlan movie. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been in a lot of things. Down, why on earth would he be returning to this house? Even his doctor offers him a place to stay in town. Why would he stay here? Why would he want to stay there? To prove to himself that he's better. I don't think that he ever claims that. But you wanted to know a potential reason. That's a potential reason. Stupid. And I... also, why is he staying there if he's not going to run the hotel? He yeah, has he another, another job. job. Well, maybe because having a job working for somebody is a little less stress on this man who's just now re-entering society, and it gets him socialized, as opposed to running a hotel, which might be a lot of responsibility for somebody who just came out of a mental asylum. That was my assumption. But immediately, he sees somebody in the window. Yeah. And that should just... Just automatically, his doctor should be like, I don't think you need to stay here. <laughs> You're already seeing people in the window. I yeah. think we need to get you out of here. But it's not about, his health is not about not experiencing symptoms. It's about being able to cope with those symptoms. Yes, you are That's correct. That's what his mental health is about. 
But he also explains that no one will be looking in on him. He'll be completely on his own. Uh Uh-huh. Which is not a good thing. No, he should definitely have social workers looking in on him. Oh, the music here is really, really bad, I wrote down. So do you want to talk about the music a little bit? Okay. Apparently, Richard Franklin, the director, was given the option of including the original Psycho music and decided against it. That was a bad decision. Now, apparently people are very split on this, actually, about whether or not the music is suitable for this movie, whether it was a good decision to abandon the original music. His idea was he wanted that he wanted it to stand on its own and not just be, oh, it's the it's the Psycho One music. Well, I think the music is terrible. The music is written by Jerry Goldsmith, who is famous for lots of different movies including movies we've watched on this show, like Poltergeist. Really? Yeah. Well, I did not like it in this movie. Understandable. Understandable. I mean, I think you're going to fall on one side or the other. Is I, I, To me, it just wasn't that remarkable, especially when the original music from Psycho is so remarkable. Mm-hmm. So... He goes to to his job. He goes to work. Or does he get the note in his house? I think he gets the note in his house. He doesn't see... No, he doesn't get a note in his house until... He finds a note and hears his mother's voice. That says, like, welcome home or something. Oh, okay, maybe, yeah. This will be the beginning of a a repeating scenario. He was going to find notes and hear his mother a lot. Yeah. The notes are real... The voice is not, uh -uh. which is not good. (laughs) He goes to work. He's working in the town diner. Which is mentioned in the original. He mentions it to Marion Crane in the original when she asks if there's somewhere to eat or whatever. He says there's a diner like 10 miles away. I want sleep more than anything else, except maybe food. Well, there's a big diner about 10 miles up the road, just outside of Fairvale. Am I that close to Fairvale? 15 miles. Cohesion, (laughs) how well it fits into the franchise is pretty remarkable. Agreed. And we immediately meet the owner of the diner who explains that she's willing to take him in because she believes in the Bible and forgiveness. It's the Christian thing to do, forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be the the cook's assistant. Yes. And he immediately encounters also a new waitress – who is constantly on the phone with her boyfriend. Yeah. They are always fighting. By the way, what is her name? Mary. Mary what? Uh, This is, I know, Mary Samuels. That's the name Marion Crane left in the guest ledger because she's Marion. She starts to write Marion. She ends up writing Mary And because she's in love with Sam Loomis, she writes Samuels. And so that's the name of this random waitress at this diner nearby is Mary Samuels. Interesting. That's fun. But she has been living, she tells him that she's been living with her boyfriend and now he has dumped her and she doesn't know where she's going to stay. And he offers her a room. At his yeah. hotel. Mm-hmm. And when he takes her back to his to the hotel, he's going to give her a room. And 
he initially goes for room key one and uh-huh. then changes his mind. It's it's the reverse scenario from the first one where he's going to give her another room key and then moves his hand to one because that's the one that's next to the office that he can spy in on. And this one, he reaches for one, hesitates and picks a different one. Yes, trying to show you that he's changed. Yes. But then in walks Mr. Toomey. Well, he goes to go prep the room and so Meg... Tilly is alone in the office when Toomey comes in. Yes, and they're talking, and right when he discovers that she's been, she's get, she's here to stay because of Norman, and he's about to tell her what Norman is, Norman returns, and he's like, what the fuck have you been doing with my hotel? And he tells Mary to go up to the house. Yeah, and he confronts Toomey, with the drug paraphernalia that he found in the room. And Toomey is like, what do you want? How else are we going to make money? We make money off of people who come here for sex and drugs. Yep. And Bates is like, fuck you, get out, you're fired. Yeah. And Toomey is like, at least my guests have a good time. Yours <laughs> just all ended up dead. Yeah. <laughs> at least my customers have a good time. What yours get, Bates, huh? Dead! That's what they got! Dead! Murdered by you, you loony! Oh, man, burn. Yeah, it's a good burn. (laughs) He's right. (laughs) But still, totally fires. Uh Uh-huh. Which, now you're going to run a hotel and work at the diner? Or the hotel he's going to fix up, and so he's not going to take an income. Doesn't matter, he doesn't really need income unless the hotel is running because the land's all paid for. Oh, okay. You know, like he doesn't need to keep up costs. If if he doesn't do anything to the hotel except for his own manual labor, it's not running up additional debt. I mean, until it comes time to pay property taxes. So he goes up there and he's making her a sandwich and he realizes that the only knife in the kitchen is the is the giant... Knife that he used to stab people with. Well, maybe not that exact knife, but a similar one. So he just gives her the sandwich and she's like, don't you have a knife to cut it with? And he's like, no. And she goes for it and she throws him this knife, which Uh firstly seems unsafe. But then when he picks it up, he gets like this scared look on his face and she gets like, what's the matter, Norman? Uh Uh-huh. So we know that she knows who yeah, he it's, is. Yeah, there is, if you don't know what's going on at this point, there is still this really unsettling vibe about the two of them being alone together in this house and how she's being really considerate and understanding and not running the fuck out of this house. Like, there's this really unsettling vibe, and it's going to last for a while. You also... It's somewhere in here that he mentions that, oh, he didn't save or he didn't bring the cutlery. And yes. he stammers over cutlery, which is a very famous line delivery. Do you have a knife? No, I'm afraid. I don't. I I just moved back here after being many years away. and I forgot to bring any cutlery. Cutlery. Mm-hmm. He had, he had a hard time saying you know, talking about the knives. Yes. And she basically is like, ah, you know what? I don't think I should stay here. This is a bad idea because this is very obviously uncomfortable. But, oh, 
No, I think he admits to her that he killed his mom. She wants to know what he did, and he says that, well, my mom went a little bit crazy, and I poisoned Poisoned her her tea and killed her. When I was 12, my mother went mad. So I put some poison in her tea, you know? I'm I'm all right now. I think, yeah, I think that's when she's like, I don't think I should stay here And he tells her, I'm really scared. Will you please stay with me? And it's like, if I knew you'd killed people and you're telling me you're scared, please stay with me. I certainly wouldn't stay. Exactly. This is what I'm talking about when I'm saying there's something unsettling about Mary staying. Yes. And she chooses to stay, but she puts a chair up to her door. Yeah. So he can't get in at night. Which actually made me feel better. It felt real. Yeah. It felt like, oh, okay. So she's not a complete idiot. Yes. But the next day, she leaves before he gets up. She's gone into town. She's at work. And she tells him, don't worry, I found a place to stay. Yeah. I'm going to live in town. Toomey shows up. Yeah, Toomey shows up to the diner. And he is trying to scare her out of staying with Norman. He seems obviously drunk. Yes, and he's trying to, like, he's insinuating that they slept together. And if you're going to sleep with him, why don't you sleep with me? And he's being really, really awful. But she gives a really great line. He's better than you'll ever be, fat boy. Like, <laughs> Which is, uh, well, you have to go to his size. Right, but, still, but like, yes. saying that Norman Bates is better than you'll yeah, ever be. what does that tell you about you? Yes. And he starts to yell at Norman. Meanwhile. Who, who sees a knife. But doesn't attack. Well, so he... Which we're supposed to be proud of him for. He's trying to ignore Toomey, but it's becoming difficult because he's harassing Mary, who he really likes. Yes. And, but then he sees a note from his mom on the ticket Oh, yeah. If you let that slut stay in our house again, I'll kill her or something. And Toomey, that son of a bitch, is trying to antagonize me, and now he's... He's harassing Mary, and he pulls it off the wheel, which is weird, because later he'll claim it's on the wheel. Yeah. So that's a little bit inconsistent. But he bursts outside and says, Toomey, or whatever. And yeah, and Toomey tries to antagonize him, sees him looking at the knife, and is like, come on, pick it up, you know? And he refuses, and he goes back into the back room. Not, you know, we should probably say that he loses his cool and splashes the deep fryer on the chef. On the cook. And the cook's just like, ow, my arm. (laughs) (laughs) But they end up kicking Toomey out and giving Norman the rest of the day off. Yes. Because he tells them, there was a note on there from my dead mother. I'm telling you, there was a note on that wheel from my dead mother. Yeah, but he's not like, uh, I understand how crazy that sounds. I think Toomey left it. You know, he's not, I'm not really claiming my mother wrote me a note, but the note's not there. And that night, Toomey will show up and will, like, honk his horn and yell things at at him and, you know, to terrorize him in the middle of the night, right? And then he gets... He's also packing up his stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. But Norman gets a phone call. From, from his mother. His mother. But he assumes that it's Toomey. Uh-huh. And he's like, you know what? Because he knows Toomey's out there because he's been honking his horn and stuff. Yeah, and he's just like, Toomey, if this is you, then you're sicker than I ever was. No. 
He's trying to say that, listen, I was uncontrollably sick. You murdered people. You're just an asshole. I don't think that's sicker. Yeah, no, no. totally. But, <laughs> but the point is, is like, I didn't make choices to kill people. I was compelled mentally. You are making a choice to be an asshole. But what happens to Toomey here? Toomey gets slashed the fuck up. By? We don't know. Norman's mother. Yeah. But we don't know what that means. We do not know what that means, but we have to assume it's not Norman because Norman was up, up in the house. Yeah, it but could have been Norman. Yeah. But in a lot of scenarios, it definitely could have been Norman. You're supposed to be like, no, but, but maybe. It doesn't, but it like, that's what you're supposed like to. It. Exactly. You're supposed to think that it's possible, but you don't believe it. Mm-hmm. It's the movie is refreshing you into that thought process that, like, it's, it can't be Norman, can it? You know, just like the first one all over again, even though the first movie establishes clearly that he is a murderer. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's remarkable that the movie is capable of that. And it does a really good job of it. Norman Bates is one of those awesome, awesome characters where it's just like, you can't believe that he's doing it, but he's doing it. Yeah. So the next day, Robert Loja shows up. Yeah. Whoa, Robert Loja. Really? And he's like, what's going on? Where's Toomey? And he explains, I had to fire him. He turned it into what I believe they call an adult hotel. <laughs> Como se dice? <laughs> and, Je ne sais quoi. No, what is it? Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> but like, you could just say an adult hotel. I believe they say... <laughs> And Robert Loge is like, I just saw a woman up in your attic. And Norman's like, no big deal, man. I got a chick staying with me. Yeah, but he is clear. He's like, we're just friends. It's not like that. But still, like, it's terrible because if fucking Norman had thought about it for two seconds, why the fuck would she be up in your attic, man? Yeah, uh uh-huh. But he doesn't think about it. He just assumes that it's her and we just let it go. Uh Uh-huh. And while... Mary is in, like, the bathroom inside his house, Norman's house. She sees a hole, a light. Or maybe it's not the bathroom. Maybe it's her bedroom. But either no, way. she's she she's sees- taking a shower and we see that somebody's watching her. Well, but she notices it. Later we on. Saw, yeah. yeah, we uh-huh. saw it earlier in okay. the film. Yes. But here she notices it. And she is not afraid. And no. goes and looks to confront whoever is there. And she, you think she must think it's Norman? Oh, no. But she goes downstairs and sees that Norman is down there talking to Robert Loja. Yeah. Couldn't have been him. So you're thinking, yeah, at least she knows it wasn't Norman. But she already knew it wasn't Norman. Yep. That's what we're going to find out. Yep. Oh, it seemed like it's so good. Yeah. I like it. She goes downstairs and she's talking to them and the doctor offers her a ride to work, which you think is going to lead to something, but it, it doesn't. doesn't. No. And what does he find upstairs? His mother's room is all made up the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. The bed's laid out, the artwork's on the walls, the clothes are in her wardrobe. It's all just like it was before. So this must not be right after she went to work. But yeah, it looks exactly like it did in the first film. And I think that they really did make it look exactly they like it. They did a it. great job. Uh, but I mean, I, I literally think 
That they took, like, yes, made no, one hundred percent, they did. Yeah, like the house, the exterior and the front area in the house is was the original house. Well, that's at Universal. Yes, yeah, and they've moved it several times, and it was moved for this movie to be put into that spot. Um, but yes, the exterior and the and the front entryway and all of that, everything but the but the rooms is the original, and they had to recreate the rooms. And they did a fantastic job. Like, they went into the storage at, at Universal, and it was all still there. And they just used all the original props and everything like that from the original movie, which is, you can really tell. Like, the attention to detail is incredible. Even Anthony Perkins and Vera Miles were both like, no, this looks exactly the way it was when we originally filmed this. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. For Psycho 2, the house was reactivated and relocated. Hilton Green, producer of the sequel, was a longtime associate of Hitchcock and assistant director on the original Psycho. The exterior of the house is the original. Uh, the interior of the house, the front here, is the original front that they kept in, in storage. Yeah, that was worked on the Newell Post lamp there are many props set dressing we have found here at the studio and in hollywood that were from the original they rebuilt the the sets down to the last uh, small prop on the table and the picture on the wall so it, it, there was um, a feeling of deja vu walking onto that set that 22 years earlier, uh, sitting right around the corner was was the chubby man, uh, and it, it was it was a strange, eerie first few days on that set. But so he gets locked up in the attic. I don't remember why he goes in the attic. She must have made a sound up there or yeah, something. Uh -huh. But he gets locked in there. Meanwhile. <laughs> The Bates home has become the local teenage fuck spot. Yep. I mean, this is the little bit of the 80s slasher that we get. It's so here, gross. When they're teenagers getting high and 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 having sex in On a place where they shouldn't dirty be. dirty mattress, which I guess was a thing. I mean, that's what they do in... Um, in a lot of other 80s in slashers. In 80s movies. Yep, that's and what I'm, I'm saying. I wrote down, be still my beating heart. Yeah. I can't... <laughs> like, this is where I wanted to have sex when I was a teenager. Nothing like a dirty mattress in the basement <laughs> of a murderer to get me hot. <laughs> They hear some noises. It's like, time to get the fuck out of here. Well, at first, he's like, you're just high. <laughs> let, me, let me rub your boobs some more. But the dude ends up getting killed, but the girl gets away. Yeah. Uh-huh. Norman hears his mother while up in the attic. And I think he finds out about the murder somehow. And so he's like, oh, shit, my mom's up to her old tricks. No, he doesn't originally find out about the murder until the police show up. He has no idea what's going on when he's up in the attic. Well, when he gets out of the attic, what does the room look like? Like it used to look. It's all shut up? Yep. I mean, that's what I mean when I say what it used to be. So the police do show up saying, hey, this lady claimed that her boyfriend was just murdered by some old woman in black or whatever. <laughs> and they're like, can we at least see your basement? He's like, yeah, sure. I don't, I don't give a shit. I, I didn't do anything. I've been locked upstairs. And they go downstairs into the basement and nothing's there. And the police are like, this does look like it was cleaned recently. Mary says, yeah, I cleaned down here. And Anthony Perkins, he's like, Wait, are you 
I mean, I I didn't do it, but are you covering for me? Yeah. And uh, she's like, yeah, no, I know you didn't do it. But the weird thing is, is that when she showed up looking for him and he's like, I'm in the attic, I'm locked in here. And he tries the door and it just opens up. Yes, it is no longer locked. And she's like, she acts like, well, it's not locked now. But then later when he's asking her, why did you cover for me? She says, you were locked up there. Yeah. And it's like. She's like, I believe you. Hey, wait a minute. uh (laughs) You pretended like you didn't believe him when you got home. But the cops go away. They're like, I mean, yeah, there's no evidence that anybody was killed. This chick is giving him an alibi. Yeah, uh uh-huh. I was with him all day when it's like, no, she wasn't. He was locked in the attic all day. But yeah, he had fallen asleep. He was locked in the attic. But for the audience, we do know that it was unlocked when he wakes up. So could he have in a stupor have left and killed this man we don't know mm-hmm. and but no i guess that just shows you how the teenagers got in one of the cops says you better padlock this window dude before yeah, somebody uh-huh. robs you blind yeah meanwhile loomis lila loomis is trying to get him locked up and she's like it's all over town what he did to that boy, she's talking to the sheriff. Yeah. And he's like, what do you want? There's no body. I can't prove he did anything. And, and she's he like, has an alibi. Yes, and he has an alibi. And she says, well, why don't you drag the swamp? That's where he put the bodies before. Uh-huh. But so, this is when we're going to find out. One of the big twists in this movie. Mary goes down to the office. Do we know why? The motel office. I can't remember why, but there's this moment where the movie's like, she's in danger. She's being watched. All these sorts of things. And as she's searching through the office, somebody comes up behind her and it's Lila. And the first thing she says to Mary is, why did you vouch for him? And you're like, what? And she's like, oh, mother. You're like, what? Why did you lie to the sheriff and say Bates was with you this afternoon? Mother. And so Lila is Mary's mom. What a twist. This whole time. Of course, her whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she's very mad. Why did you give him an alibi? And she's like, because. I know he didn't do it. We locked him up there. I know for a fact he did not commit murder. So someone else is committing murder. And Lila is like. So? (laughs) Yeah. If that means he gets locked up. And so as an audience, we're like, oh, my God, is Lila murdering people? Yes, that is exactly what you're thinking. She's the murderer. And Mary's just like, listen, I know we think that he's crazy and he killed my aunt, your sister and so many other people. And I understand what we originally agreed on is we were going to try to drive him to do something bad and then he would get locked up again. But I know for a fact he didn't do that. And she's gotten to know him. Yeah. And, and she, she actually feels kind of bad likes him. for him. Yeah. He seems like he's really trying. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about what we're doing to him. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. She explains he's trying very hard to keep his sanity. And Lila's like, you're as crazy as he is. And she goes, you know what? Norman needs me. And she's like, Norman needs you. <laughs> And, like, I understand Lila's frustration here. Uh-huh. Lila is like, that dude murdered my sister. Uh-huh. I- Tried to murder me. Yes. Yes. Tried to murder your father. Yep. You know, uh, killed a cop. 
By the way, Sam Loomis being dead now. Yeah, he died. He died. But at the same time, the audience knows Norman, and we know, we even knew in the first film, he didn't want to murder people. Right. You uh-huh. know? So, like, you feel bad for him, but you totally understand Lila. Yes, absolutely. So. But, I mean, she's going to extremes that are unreasonable. That's the yes. problem. Yes, especially if she's murdering people. Like, yes. you're, you're thinking, okay, if she's if she's turned to murder... Yeah, is she the new psycho villain? She's, yeah, she's yeah, the uh-huh. new villain, and that's a fun twist. It is, but you know, people are like, "You've ruined a magnificent care, a strong woman character." <laughs> like, come on. So then we get a little bit of a shining moment where a whole lot of blood comes out of a toilet in a tub, but it's because someone has stuffed a bloody, bloody rag. rags yeah, uh-huh. down the toilet, and and. Mary comes in and is, like, immediately trying to clean things up. And Norman's like, oh, my God, I did it. I really did it. I cleaned it up. I shoved the rags in the toilet. This is exactly what I did before. This is, oh, my God, I'm killing again. And Mary's like, no, I don't know what's going on, but you did not kill anyone, Norman. And and she's really mad. She's like, mother, where are you? Like, she's pissed uh because she's like, I already told you, Mom, I'm done with this. And now you're doing weird shit, Mom. Yeah. You're sticking bloody shit in this toilet. What's going <laughs> on? And she even tells Norman, someone is trying to drive you crazy. Because Norman is believing that yeah. he really did do it. She's trying to absolve herself of her initial guilt while still explaining what actually is happening. And he begs her, don't let them take me back to the institution. Uh-huh. Which is interesting because they haven't made it seem like he was mistreated there. Right. But, but maybe he, he was. Yeah, he probably has bad associations with it. And when she does find her mother, she confronts her about it. Why did you do that? And she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. And that makes that makes Mary even angrier. She's like, oh, now you're just going to lie to me about it. You know? Yeah. And this is happening in the hotel where... Lila is staying, and the clerk is, like, watching. It's like, what the fuck are they arguing about? Oh, yes. And I wrote down something about that is styrofoam. Something creepy that we're looking at. Oh, I don't. That looks like styrofoam. No, it was, they were, he he confides in Robert Loja that he thinks he's seeing his mom again. And Robert Loja's like, your mom's dead. And they end up exhuming her, her corpse. And you thought that the casket that she was buried in, it's probably a really cheap casket. It looks like styrofoam. <laughs> it was bad. But yes, proving to Norman, your mother's dead, man. Because Norman's been pushed over the edge at this point. Yeah, and he's starting to believe that it's really his mom talking to him. And he's like, then that must not be my mom. But we are also led to believe that he is talking to himself. We're led to believe that no one is on the phone because... Mary will say, she'll get on the phone, she'll be like, there's no one there, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll grab the phone again and start talking again. And you're like, oh, man, he's just going crazy. Multiple times in the movie, she'll try to, like, Norman, there's no one there. 
That is not your mother. Oh, or she'll even pretend to be the mother. Yes, and that's important later on in the movie when she tries to pretend. See, me, I was the one pretending to be your mom. And I don't really get his response to that. I, I don't, I get that he's just supposed to be kind of confused and like, eh, Well, it's but- explained by what happens later. I don't think you might get it in the moment, but by what happens later, I think he's still really talking to somebody who's telling him, she's lying to you. I'm your mother. Yeah, but- he also kind of believes it's weird. I can't tell he's in what a, his response He's is in her. kind of a semi-fugue state, I think, at that point. <laughs> anyway, and he does a great ahead. job of putting on, oh my God, when he talks to his mom on the phone, uh-huh. it is such a creepy smile that he uh-huh. gets on his face. Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of like he knows I'm crazy. Well, but it's also like- And I'm just going to run with it. <laughs> it's also like, you know what, if I, if I believe this, if I let myself go to this, I have my mother back. Yeah. And that's going to be a driving motivation for him. But <laughs> at one point, somebody gets murdered with a knife through the throat. Oh, it's the mom! Yes. This is when we find out it is not Lila Loomis! Yes, so she's in the house, and Mary's all pissed off at her, and and, and yells at her or whatever, and then she goes looking, she's like, no, we are putting him over the edge right now. And she goes into the basement... Under one of the right. stones where she's hidden the the mother costume and she goes to put it on, but she's attacked by somebody in the shadows who could be Norman. Norma Bates is there yeah. somehow, some and way. This is the second 80s slasher moment, which probably could have been left out, where we see the knife go through her mouth and out the back of her neck. Very and that's Friday how, the 13th. That's how Vera Miles is killed. And it's like See, the original Psycho wasn't like, it wasn't gratuitous like that. And it also looks super fake. Yeah. So like, like I those, said, Friday the 13th. Those two moments where it is most influenced by 80 slashers are probably where the movie could have done without them. But, I mean, that was the state of horror movies at the time. So yeah, she's killed. And she's also disappeared somewhere. When we come back down here later. She ain't there. She's not there. But during this time, Robert Loja is talking to Norman, so we know it's not Norman. So the question is, who is it? Yeah. And Norman, <laughs> Norman's just like my my mom's back. I yeah. don't know what uh-huh. the fuck you're talking about. I I don't know who I don't know who Mrs. Bates is anymore. That wasn't my mom. Yeah. My mom must be somebody else. Yes. And Loja is like, if I can prove that it's someone else. Will you believe me? He goes, absolutely. It would be a great load off my mind. (laughs) Roman, if I were to prove to you that Mary and Lila Loomis were the ones who were calling you, would you accept the fact that you have no other mother than Mrs. Bates? Of course. And that's what I'll do. It would be a great load off my mind. So... He goes off to try and figure out the mystery. Mm-hmm. And Norman gets another phone call from his mom telling him, you gotta kill Mary. Uh-huh. And he's like, do I have to, mother? Do I have to murder her? No, mother. Mary's still here with me. I like her. No. No, of course not. Not as much as you. No, I... I won't do that. You can't make me... 
Have to, mother? But why? Why do I have to kill her? And that's when she does the whole, like, getting on the phone and saying, this is your mother, don't do it. She does a great job. And he, she yells at him in person, dressed up as the mother. Yeah, she she goes and gets the costume on to be like, I gotta convince him that's not his mother on the phone. It's my mom being a total bitch. Like, she's really mad at her mom right now, and she wants to preserve Norman's sanity. So she's gonna fuck with him a little bit in order to do that. Like, I wrote down, this is the most terrifying scene. This is very, very tense because you are dealing with Norman, who's gone over the edge at this point. Uh-huh. You know that there's some mystical murder running around. Mysterious murder, yeah. And you've got her, who has the chance to leave, but is so desperate to try and help Norman that she doesn't. And it's just like, come on, get the fuck out of there. This is not good. So she You goes- are losing friendly Norman. He is lost yeah. to the world. So she goes and like, tries to search the house because it's not working. She grabs a knife and she's going searching around the house for her mom. And, and, and she's worried that maybe there's somebody else in the house. That's not her mom. And so she's trying to defend herself. Remember Robert Loja is trying to figure out the mystery. Yeah. And she sees that somebody is upstairs with her. And so she looks down at where Norman would be to see, is Norman still down there or should I be afraid of him now? Right. She doesn't know if she should be afraid of Norman. She knows someone is the murderer. She knows that Norman didn't kill the other person, but perhaps Norman is now killing people. And so she's looking downstairs, holding this knife. And that's when Robert Loge is like, I found the person who's pretending to be his mom. Uh Gotcha. And he grabs her and she turns around and stabs him. Very she, realistic. She and thinks not she's good. being attacked by the real killer. Robert Loja thinks he's found the person pretending to be his mom. None of it's good. And he falls over the railing, lands on the railing that goes down to the basement. Very similar to the guy who fell down the stairs. Yeah, he falls backwards time. down the stairs. Yeah. And and that shoves the knife further into him, and he is just dead now. Dead, dead, dead. Robert Loja dead. Unfortunately, because he was a great guy. He was just trying to do what was best for Norman. And so was Mary, kind of. Ultimately, she was trying to redeem herself a little bit. So Norman is, like, starting to confront Mary at this point. Yeah, he's like, dude, Mary, what did you do? Yeah. And she... Robert Loja. And she, who thinks that he's going to kill her starts she's like get away from me norman or and as he he's like call her mom at i think he might point. be calling her mom at this she point she starts yeah. stabbing him and it's so sad because she doesn't want she's to. trying to back away and he keeps approaching her and she's like stabbing him in the hands and he and gets this like know, stigmata thing going on and, with the holes in his hands right and we all know it's not norman and it's the sad sad moment it's because really she was sad. trying to help him uh-huh he follows her down into the basement as she's freaking out He stumbles back after getting stabbed once and finds Vera Miles buried in a pile of coal for the furnace down in the cellar. And she freaks out. Oh, my God, it was you. And you killed my mom. You killed them all. You killed them all. And as he's approaching her trying to know what you just need to calm down, mom, it's okay. She stabs him in like the gut or something. And he doubles over just as the police are coming in because... Oh, we didn't talk about this. They're trawling the swamp and they find Toomey's car. We we totally skipped over this. 
And so that's when Meg is there and she runs back to the house. And that's why she's so concerned about Norman. Right. And they, I think Robert Loja has told them that he thinks it's Lila Loomis. Yeah. And so, but anyway, so now the police are, in, are already engaged. They're already involved in this. And so as she's reaching up to stab him finally and kill him because she thinks he killed his mo- her mom, the police come bursting in and the deputy shoots Mary. Yeah. Killing her. Well- there are reports that she wasn't originally supposed to die in the original script, but we don't see what happens after she gets shot and falls to the ground. Yeah. We, we don't, don't know that she's again, dead. I guess. But we assume Are that you she saying is. that she's in the third one? Because I've never seen the third one. No, she's one. not in the third one. I don't oh, think. okay. I don't think. But anyway, he's saved. And the cops explain everything away. They all think it was them. Lila and Mary. The they were trying to drive him crazy again. And then they ultimately tried to kill him. They must have gone crazy because she was dressed up like his mom. At the very least, that was evidence of her trying to drive him crazy. He's not responsible for any of this. Are you ready to go home, Norman? Yeah, that's not the end of the movie, guys. It's not the end of the fucking movie. (laughs) So he goes home. He's allowed to go home. And at this point, you're thinking, was it Norman? Yeah, did he actually do it? But we know it wasn't Norman because he was locked up there. We know that. But it, but it was unlocked. Right. But Mary says, no, I locked it, and then I unlocked it after. Yeah, she admitted that she kept him locked yeah, up there. Uh-huh. We know it wasn't him. At this point, if you're paying attention. And so he's in his kitchen. And Waiting for someone. Yeah, he's setting two plates, and like tea or whatever, and someone looks like the silhouette of his mom starts coming up those famous stairs to the house and then knocks at the back door to the kitchen. And then he opens it up and it's the woman that runs the diner. I'm the one who urged Mr. Stadler to give you the job. I think it's very Christian to forgive and forget, don't you? And he's like, oh, hey, you know, I thought you were going to show up. I was expecting someone. I yes. didn't know who it was going to so, be. Say, oh, you've you have you've set the the table for two. Did you know I was coming? He's like, oh, I knew somebody was coming. And what does he immediately offer her? Tea. Like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> but he does. He poisons the tea. He reaches back for that poison jar of the loose leaf tea, I guess. And he she out. explains everything at this point. There's a little bit of end of psycho expository moment. Where she explains that I'm actually, the person you think is your mom, I'm her sister. I was young and I got pregnant with you and I was sent off and she raised you as if she was your mom. She was my older sister. And she was married, which is yeah. why she's Mrs. Bates. I don't think we ever really find out what happened to his, didn't he leave? No, Norman killed his stepdad. I don't think yeah, we know what happened his to his I real I think dad. that he claims that the original father left before he was even born. Something like, yeah, it so doesn't matter. So probably it was that she got yeah. married and her husband left because she was crazy. The whole family's crazy because what happened to his real mom? She was committed to is what she claims. Yeah, she uh-huh. Explains. Like everyone is just, yeah, it's, it's. This is just hereditary. But, but I mean, it makes so much sense that she just, she manages the, the diner nearby the entire time so she can be close to her real son. Like it all fits. It's not convoluted. And so as she's explaining this, she's drinking the tea that he made for her. And then she starts like kind of sputtering and coughing into the tea as he lifts up this shovel used for the coal in the basement and just fucking wails on her over her head. 
and she collapses to the floor. The chair under her falls to pieces, and there's this great aerial shot. It is fan-fucking-tastic. Yes. And then he just calmly picks her up. This is the mother he wants. He wants a dead mother that will be the mom he remembers, but also someone he can control. And it's bad that she killed people, so he's stopping her from killing people. Even right? though, even though she's going to keep killing people, yeah, I, I assume that's what three exactly. is about. And so he just picks her up and carries her upstairs and lays her in the bed. And again, the camera doesn't go into the room with them, just like in the first one. And we just hear a conversation taking. We place. hear her voice, and I wrote, "It starts." And it's a great ending, but I don't want to see three. Yeah, I don't no, no. want to know the series how bad should stop is. here. Yeah, it should stop. Here. Because I have a feeling that three is going to be real bad. Yeah. I can't imagine it's any good. (laughs) Then again, I wouldn't have imagined that two would have been good. Right. The first time I watched two, I was expecting it to be terrible. And then I was blown away. This is like... I was not disappointed this second time watching it. It's like a perfect companion piece. In this story, Norman comes home. He runs the hotel. He talks to his mother. And people start dying. That's psycho. But... It is entirely different than what happens in Psycho. Like, it's not just Psycho again, which I really, really appreciated, but it's still respectful to the original Psycho. Yes. And I think if Hitchcock had directed it himself, that 20 some odd years later, he was still alive and directing this movie, it would have been better, but I don't think it would have changed much. Right. I think, honestly, the only thing that we wouldn't have gotten was the little tiny bit of the 80s flair. Yeah. I think the 80s flair would have been the only thing missing. And it it just felt like this is what Psycho 2 should Should have have been. been. Yes. Like, they nailed it. Yes. So I really like that. I, I only found out while researching this movie that apparently that's a very common opinion. That this is getting a sort of resurgence of appreciation and that it's getting love again, basically. And that people really like it. So I was pleasantly surprised because last week when we were talking about when we saw it the first time, like 10 years ago or some odd, we're like, wow, that was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And we shared that opinion in the episode last week. And then we watched it again. I'm doing a little bit of research and I'm finding out that, no, everyone thinks that that's everyone kind of agrees with us. I was like, oh, good. Like that, that felt good that people really do actually appreciate. And we're not like shouting, trust us. It's actually really good. Mm -hmm. And nobody believes us. So... I watched this little Q&A thing. So Meg Tilly is an author now, and she does, like, YouTube Q&As. And there was one just recently in February where somebody asked her about the experience of doing Psycho 2, which she has never seen. She didn't go to the premiere. Why? So we'll talk about that in a little bit. She also seems like the type that doesn't really watch her own movies. Oh. But it was a bad experience for her making Psycho 2. Oh. But she said that Tom Holland was just fantastic. She really liked Tom Holland. She thought he was a real sweet guy. She did mention that in the original script, she killed Norman instead of her dying. So that's where we get the idea that, you know, she lived in the original script, which apparently, according to Meg Tilly, she did. You can watch that video on her YouTube channel, which is sadly, like, only has a couple hundred hits. Like, it's just her talking to the camera, and she's she's written several books, and she's talking about her writing and stuff like that. And it's like only 600-some-odd views, and it's like, man, she should really be getting more appreciation than that. She's pretty great. I, I don't know if something else happened to her that, you know, we should know why she's not getting appreciation. But from what I know, she just seems like such a great person. But apparently, growing up, 
She wasn't allowed to watch TV or movies or anything like that. So she had, as she was filming this, she had never seen Psycho when she got this part. And they're doing initial press before filming is done. She explained this in her interview? No, but this is the this is sort of the infamous story. But it's a story. Have you gotten confirmation? I, I've heard it, from, again, from several sources, but I can't confirm it. But this would explain why she's like, no, nah, I had a bad time. I didn't go to the premiere. That she had the gall to be like, man, everyone's making a really big deal out of Tony. And like saying that to somebody, like, why is he getting all this attention? Because she legitimately didn't know. She had never seen the original Psycho. Still, that's kind of a shitty thing to say. Yeah. And Anthony Perkins found out and was apparently really upset. It's a little arrogant on his part. And, it's the and, only thing he has going. Yeah, right. <laughs> and tried to get Richard Franklin to fire her. And so apparently both Anthony Perkins and Richard Franklin were just like awful to her on set. Which is really sad to hear because I like Meg Tilly and I like Anthony Perkins and I want him to be like a good guy. You know what I mean? I'm sure he is a good guy, but he was like, was. oh, yes, sorry, was. He has passed away. So, yeah, she had a really bad time, didn't even go to the premiere and hasn't seen it since. But has nothing but good things to say about Tom Holland, <laughs> writer of this movie, who was apparently present for a lot of it. Anything else to talk about? I have a couple of things we didn't mention. Isn't isn't the name from Heavyweights Tony Perkins? Is it something else? I always think his name is Tony Perkins. I think I said that in our Psycho episode. It's Tony Perkis. Perkis. Which, it's spelled exactly the same, but without the N. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's intentional. Maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> well, he is a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie. If you go back and recontextualize everything that happens in the movie with the knowledge that Mrs. Spool, the owner of the diner, is really the killer throughout the movie, it still makes sense. Toomey is killed after he makes that scene in the diner and Norman claims he left him a note fucking with him. Even though Toomey didn't leave that note, Mrs. Spool thinks he did and goes to kill him. Like, these deaths sort of make sense. Although what doesn't make sense is why he's locked up in the attic. She kills somebody downstairs and doesn't let him out. She's not ready to show him. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe she did unlock it and he was just asleep. Possibly. Yeah. We also see Alfred Hitchcock's famous profile silhouette. In the mother's room when Meg Tilly and Anthony Perkins go in there. I didn't see it. She's like, you need to go into your mother's room and confront this. Yes, I you remember know? that. Yeah, his, what scared his you silhouette so? is there. We see before he can go into the room on his own, he hesitates and he sees a young version of himself in the doorknob to his mother's room. Really? That's cool. That is actually Anthony Perkins' son, Oz. Oh, I remember that. Oh, when he watches himself, like, as a kid. Yes. Yeah. I thought you meant, like, they saw a reflection of him, like, from the original film. That oh, no, fun. no, no, no. Yeah, no, it's it's him as a kid. But that's actually Anthony Perkins' kid. Yeah, that's that's about it. That's all I have. What do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I think I know. Is it 60? It is 60. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? Underrated. For sure. 
Okay, now before we go any further, the original Psycho had a Rotten Tomatoes of 97. You gave it a 96. I gave it 100. What would you like to give this one? What did I give the remake? The 98 remake? (laughs) You gave it a 50. I gave it a 60. You gave it a 60? Yeah, I don't remember my logic. (laughs) I give this an 88. Yeah. I think it's a high 80s. Maybe give it like an 87. But this is like legitimately, like we're not fucking with you. It's legitimately good. It's very good. Very surprising at at how much I liked it the first time we saw it like a decade ago. And watching it again, it still holds up. Mm -hmm. And I think if anything, its relationship to the first movie was just a hurdle for it to surpass. It is in no way banking off of the success of the first one. Not really. Yeah. It's just legitimately a good story 20 some odd years later. And just see, you know, if you're those people out there like, oh, why do we keep making sequels to movies 20, 30 years later now? Hollywood doesn't have an original bone in its body. Like this was happening in 83 and they did it well. So like it is possible to make this work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this really does. I think if, if you've seen the first Psycho and you liked it, and you haven't seen this yet, even with us talking about it, I would recommend you go back and watch it. That is 1983's Psycho 2. Moving right along to our second Mother's Day movie, Grace, from 2009, written and directed by Paul Solit, Soleil, I don't know how you pronounce that, starring Jordan Ladd, Samantha Ferris, and Gabrielle Rose. Jordan Ladd we've seen on this show in Death Proof, as Shana, Shanna, Shauna? Shauna. Oh, fuck. I... No. Now, there is one thing that every girl in the whole world whose name is Shanna has in common with each other. We all hate the name Shauna, and we really hate it when people call it Shauna. And as Penelope in Club Dread. Yes. Penelope. Club Dread. Club Dread? Club Dread. And Samantha Ferris, the doctor. Patricia in this movie is Ellen, the woman who owns the bar in Supernatural. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's where you know her from. Yeah. What is Grace about, Kelsey? Very sad. A woman uh, who's pregnant is in a car accident, killing her husband and her baby. But she decides to carry it to term. And when when she gives birth, it's alive. Yeah. But now it's a vampire baby. It's kind of a vampire zombie baby. Yes. Really, like it's rotting and dying, but it's also alive. It craves blood, but also flesh. Like it's... Mostly blood. Mostly blood for what we see in this movie. Yes. The movie is available with ads on Redbox for rent for $3 on Redbox and $4 on Apple. You can buy it for only $6 on both. Should people watch Grace? I'm going to say you don't need to. Yeah, I'm kind of an eh. I didn't hate it as much as Chris did, but I don't think you need to see it. I mean, I didn't hate it. It's just eh. Yeah. There's a lot. There is a lot that does not make sense. (laughs) There's a lot of character choices and motivations that seem to conflict throughout the course of the movie. I don't really get the point they're making. I I don't see that there's much of a point, but things are weird for the sake of being weird and not in a way that's like, ooh, that's interesting. I feel like they were trying to go for like a raw situation and they didn't know how to do it effectively. Yeah. 
Didn't you kind of get that? I'm thinking maybe this is a, this is an example of Paul. You wrote an interesting concept. Now give it to somebody else. <laughs> I just I just don't get the point they're making. I don't think they had. I don't think they had one. I think they just thought this is a this creepy w- wouldn't story. Wouldn't this be creepy? And they didn't go much further than that. Wouldn't it be creepy if the old lady was still breastfeeding? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what's what, what's her character about? She's just a nuts lady. The fact that she's, she's nuts, crazy. though, is totally unnecessary for the story. The yep. ways that she impacts the story have nothing to do with the fact that she's crazy. They so it feels it like they just... weird. Exactly. They, they wanted just to wanted to be weird. And it has nothing to do with what the movie's actually about. But it is effective. I'll give it that. And it made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> very uncomfortable. But it's entirely unmotivated. Yeah, and that's my problem. It doesn't lead to anything. It. <sighs> I don't know what they're trying to say. You can watch. I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think it's a bad little horror flick, but I don't think it. it's a flick. It has nothing to tell you. It it's has nothing also, to say. It's, it's maternal anxiety, the movie. Oh, God, do not watch this if you are a pregnant, nervous pregnant or, lady. Yeah, just if you have any whew, fears about being pregnant and, and want to be pregnant, don't watch this. Yeah, it's just full of that shit. It's also a little bit, no, not a little bit, entirely predictable. I guess. Every moment that was going to happen in this movie, I was able to see coming before it happened. I didn't see the grandma situation. <laughs> like, it made No, me, I did. I didn't see it coming. And every I was like, time, what is going on? Every time they kind of hinted at the... Like, as soon as that <laughs> happened, I'm like, oh, she's going to pump her breasts. <laughs> oh, they're, we're going to see a sex scene with her husband. No, no, no. She doesn't want to have sex. She just wants him to suck her tits. Like, that's... Like, I saw that coming every single time. And I was not, like, scandalized. It was just weird for weirdness's sake. Yes. And and entirely predictable at that. So it's not like you even shocked me with your weirdness. Like, it's it's okay. It's okay. There are so many better movies about... Like weird, like weird zombie movies, like Raw or uh, Parents. Those movies are better than yes. this. And this movie wants that weirdness and it wants that creepy factor, but it does not understand why Raw and Parents did what they did. And it wants to, it wants to have its cake and eat it too, in a way I think, because it's trying to make Jordan Ladd's story of, like I say, maternal anxiety. The movie, it's it's trying to make that like real but big. You know what I mean? Like, real but carried too far. But it also wants to be totally ridiculous weird. And it's like, okay, do you want the authenticity of the mom? Or do you want the weird craziness of the grandma to be, like, the centerpiece of your story? And it it can't decide on what it wants. If it wants to be a weird interpretation of authentic anxieties or totally ridiculousness. Total ridiculousness. And so I think it thought it's conflicted that way. Well, first of all, I don't like Eraserhead, but I think it thought it was Eraserhead. All these movies, Eraserhead, Raw, Parents. It's not weird enough to be Eraserhead. But but yes, I see where you're coming from. It's those movies. Yeah. And it just isn't. Uh huh. So you can watch it, but we wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Mm -hmm. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2009's. Grace. We got pregnant twice before she came. 
accident, she told us that she was going to carry the baby to term. The baby's dead. She'll deliver on her own in three weeks. You can't will a baby back to life. Her name is Grace. The stars in heaven have tucked in the sun. That baby is sick. Please, we need to eat something. God, Madeline, you look terrible. I do not want this woman raising my granddaughter. Grace! You don't understand. She needs special food. Please! No one's gonna take you away. No, honey, just a sec. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Grace begin? Do we see some bugs and blood? We see the moment at the end of the movie again. Oh, yes. Bunch of blood well, first time. splatters to the ground and there's some flies. Yeah. Okay, then we cut to Penelope. 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 Um, having sex with a man that she is clearly not interested in. Yeah, it's... What's the term I'm looking for? It's all that she wants is another baby. She's gone tomorrow, boy. All that she wants is another baby. Yeah, it's it's very utilitarian. It's she's only here for the baby. Yes. But she's married to this guy. Yeah. But we find out later that she used to be a lesbian, so like or I Or maybe s- she's currently bisexual. We don't right. know. Right. Who knows? But the I think the idea is that yes, she is with this man so that she can have a child. Yep. Even though this man is not really I mean, like, he tries to do the things that make his wife happy, but as Chris points out, he's not actually down with for much of it. Yeah. But I think that he is willing to go along with it because he grew up with his very controlling, crazy-ass mother, and so he's willing to rebel in this way. But at the same time, he can't help the way he was raised, and so he he has, he questions everything that his wife is into. Also, when you when you come back to it, knowing what you know later, there's reason why he might distrust this midwife. Yes. Which explains a little bit more why he defends his wife against his mom at dinner when they're talking about the way they want this baby delivered, but is also super suspicious of the midwife. And it's like, dude, are you just like this all the time? Is that your character or are you inconsistent in some way? Well, okay, no. We find out later there's a reason why he might not like this lady. But I did write down that his mama's boyness is inconsistent. He talks back to his mom at the dinner table, but later on, he's afraid not to answer the phone or have it go to voicemail because it might be his mother. And then later on, he he talks back to her again, like he yells at her. It's like, is she domineering and he's now a mama's boy and is afraid to fight back against her or or isn't that the case? And it's a little inconsistent there, I found. 
I personally believe it. I think there is a strong man in there trying to get out. That makes sense. But at the same time, again, he can't help the way he was raised. Yeah. But when the when the grandparents show up, the in-laws, they park so close to the person in front of them. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, could you park any closer to the car in front of you? That car is not going to have any way to get out. <laughs> but so this is where we find out she is a vegan. And of course, the mother doesn't approve of that. Yeah. She believes in using a midwife and not going into a hospital, which, of course, her mother is against. I mean, she's basically these, in all ways a little hippie, which is totally reasonable. But these are real things. Yes, absolutely. These she keeps, are real issues that people deal with. She keeps Animal Planet on the TV in her kitchen. So she is constantly being reminded of the horrible things that happen to animals for our food consumption. She will later say it's like a horror movie for vegans. Yes. And... I'm fine with all that. I know people that have actually dealt with this. I've known a lot of hippie people that are way into veganism, that are way into yes. holistic stuff, that would never go to a hospital, and their in-laws were not okay yeah. with it. I have known lots of people that have dealt with this. I am personally, just pragmatically... I am 100% behind anyone who decides not to have a baby in a hospital. I think a hospital is a terrible place to give birth, but I get why people go there. Like, it makes sense. I 100% understand why people would go to the hospital, and I 100% understand why people wouldn't want to. And I am one of the people that would not want to. And that's why it's so upsetting because it's when people never, like shame you for yeah, wanting to do a home birth, it's yeah. never that people shame you for going to the hospital. They shame you for wanting to stay home. Right. And I, I, I'm not even from the point of view of like, you know, oh, it's 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 natural and it's the power of motherhood and it, like nothing like that. I think just it makes a lot of sense to not do it in a setting where there's a bunch of death and disease all around you and they want you in and out as quickly as possible and they'll do things that might not be in your best interest but is in theirs. Like a home birth is like this is all in your best interest. This is all about you and your experience Like, it makes sense to me, but I totally get why people give birth. Like, I'm not going to shame either end of it. And I know that it sounds super lame, and I don't care. I would rather be surrounded by women that all they want to do is make me feel better. Yeah. Than doctors that are just interested in getting the situation done with. Yeah. Treating it. They mention it in the movie. They treat it like it's a disease that they need to cure, as opposed to a completely natural event that's been working for... You know, hundreds of thousands of years that we don't need to improve upon. Mm-hmm. But again, to be clear, no shade on either end of this. I just hate it when people shame people who want to do home births and not in hospitals, mm-hmm. which is a lot, which is very common. Then we will meet the midwife that she wants to use. Yeah, this is uh, Samantha Ferris, Patricia. And her assistant is a terrible actress. Yes, she is. The moment she was on screen, I wrote down, wow, she cannot act. I think this is Shelly. I don't know what her name is. She's super jealous of her old relationship with this woman. Yeah. And does not want them to be working together. Yeah, we do find out later, again, entirely predictable. This is something I could have told you really early on in the movie, is that they communicate it. You heard me talk about it. There's a moment where there's an interaction after the birth of the child where it's like, oh, it's very obvious that there's a there's sexual tension here. 
Like right away, I'm like, oh, they have a past. They have a history beyond. Yeah, just Chris this. said that before they the movie told you. Yeah, it's and I mean maybe it's good on them for being able to communicate something so clearly, but also like don't treat it like a mystery then. But yeah, he, the husband full on asks her, are you a medical doctor? And she is. Yeah, I love, but I love her response. When he first asks her, are you a doctor? She starts to go into all this holistic stuff. Yeah. And he's like, no, I mean, are you a medical doctor? And she's like, yes, I have my MD. I have my MD from Columbia. Like, I know what I'm doing. But she doesn't <laughs> think of her as her MD as being as important. Yes. As all the other when it comes When it comes to childbirth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I get it. I would, I am of the mind of, I'm all for all that stuff. Yeah. Are you a medical doctor? I would be. If I would, you're yes. both, I'm all down. Having a medical doctor <laughs> who, who does home birth, like that's best of both worlds right best there. Best of both worlds. <laughs> she knows when it's going to go south and uh-huh. I need to get to a fucking hospital. Yep. She also knows when I don't need to go to a hospital. Yeah. So we are introduced to... Penelope's cat and the Jordan cat, like, cat Jonesy. Yeah, Jonesy, obviously. Which is a reference to Alien, yeah. I don't know why. I guess because she's going to give birth to an evil baby, I guess. I, uh, but anyway, like, it always brings dead animals, and you think that's going to become important, but it's not. It but comes up again. Yeah, there's even one left in the crib, and again, you think, like, that's going to lead to her understanding what her baby does. No. I mean, the most you could, like, the reason why. As best we can understand, the reason why cats do that, kill rodents and things like that, and leave them there for you as presents, is they are acting as providers. They recognize that you're bad at this, (laughs) and I'm going, like they would for their kids, right? For their (laughs) kittens. It's the same sort of way, but the fact that Jonesy recognizes that, you know, the baby isn't getting enough sustenance, is like, that's all there is to it. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. I thought it was just weird and random. But she's providing for the baby. That's interesting. She hates meat, but prepares it for her husband. Yeah. And a lot of this felt very real. Like, and a lot of this reminded me of Raw, you know? I was going to say our friend that... uh, Ate meat while she was pregnant. She's a, oh. a vegan, but she ate meat while she, she was, was pregnant. A, was she a vegan? She wasn't a vegan. She's she was a vegetarian. vegetarian. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I wrote down, that was a lot of blood for a dead mouse. Like, I was like, are they just <laughs> are they just trying to show you blood because blood is going to be a big part of the film? Probably. We also find out that he, her husband bought a hybrid car to make her happy. Yeah. You know, just really hitting home with the fact that she's this hippie, holistic person. And I don't know what they're trying to say about it. Yeah. I cannot tell if they're making fun of it or if they are saying it's a good thing or if they're not saying anything about it, but they just keep because it's part of her character. Yeah, it's weird because it, it, it. Feels like they're saying, obviously, anyone with half a brain would be at least a vegetarian, right? It feels like the movie's saying that. It gives you all great reasons to be a vegetarian. And then it casts the people who are vegetarian in a negative light. Mm -hmm. So, like, what? What? I don't know. I really don't know if this movie is saying anything or if it's just a scary movie. Yeah, that's what I I'm saying. I think that this tell. guy had a good idea. He should have given it to somebody else. But I it just seems like there is a message there and I just do not see it. Yeah. It is messy. I wonder who he talked to as a dude 
This is a movie that's very much about motherhood. And like, did he talk to anybody about this? I wonder. I think he watched that uh, documentary that we watched a very long time ago. Which one? Uh, the one that was all about home births and how we, we've we turned hospital births into a money-making machine. Uh-huh. And, you know, it just talks about how shitty having kids in hospitals is. And I feel like that's all he saw because the doctors that we see are completely incompetent. Yeah. It completely. They Oh, it must be preeclampsia without doing any sort of testing for it. Let's uh-huh. just induce. Like, that's insane. She's barely been pregnant. Like it. And I get it. I understand this doctor that I'm talking about is hired by the mother. Obviously, it's a control issue. I understand that. But that is nuts. That is that is over the top. And it shares but at the that- same time. We are again shown later he's done some malpractice. Yeah, but it shows that that sort of relationship between care providers, which have your best interest at heart, and those care providers that are the rock stars of the industry and super efficient and are very expensive might not be the best thing for you when you need care. Right, but it's just it's o- it's over the top. It's very to the over point the top. Where it's like yes. I have trouble believing yeah. this. Uh huh. And I don't want to have that because I'm fully for having home births. Uh-huh. I understand the way that hospitals deal with births. Right. You don't need to create false boogeymen here. Right. Yeah. You don't need to make them incompetent. Yeah. Like, let's let's give a little fucking respect to these people. They've spent a lot of time in school. Yeah. But the relationships <laughs> are the mother, played by Gabrielle Rose, Vivian Matheson, she wants to control this thing because it's her grandchild, her son's child, and she doesn't care, really, that Jordan Ladd, Madeline, wants to control her own... Like, she is the mother. She is the one who is pregnant. This is going to be her actual child, not her grandchild. And their viewpoints conflict, and Vivian is very controlling and tries to force this very expensive doctor on her. We'll find out later that Vivian is a very powerful judge, and has a lot of connections, and that's why she wants Dr. Sohn, who is the huge, expensive rock star doctor. And Madeline already has a midwife who she knows and trusts and is also a doctor. Mm-hmm. And is proven right in that whole preeclampsia moment where it's not really preeclampsia. It's a gallstone or yeah, something. Yeah, uh-huh. Now the next scene is another just fucking really... That's what you're going to say happened? They almost get into a car accident, which would have been way more believable than this. Instead, I guess because they were driving crazy to avoid this car accident, the airbag just goes off on its own. Yeah. And And again, are you trying to say that hybrid cars are not well manufactured? Exactly. What point are you making? Why didn't you just have them get into a car accident? Yeah. And so the husband crashes and fast forward briefly to somebody showing up at the scene and the husband is dead in the driver's seat and Madeline is leaning up against a tree. She is bleeding and something is wrong. Yes, the baby is dead, but she wants to carry it to term. Yes. Now, a lot of people... I've heard this before. I've heard this so Mm -hmm. many times. But a lot of people, when they hear that, they scoff, they roll their eyes, and it's just like, you have no idea no, what I, that I, is like. Yes, I, I don't, I don't 
how best to term this? I have I I do have no idea what it feels like, but I can understand how somebody might make that decision. One hundred percent. You don't get to scoff at women's fucking responses to this shit. If yeah. you first of all, if you're a man, you're never even gonna possibly know what that feels like. Yeah. And if you're a woman who's never gone through it, you also don't get to scoff like. Do I personally think I would do it? Maybe not. But I can understand how. I can 100% Mm -hmm. get why a woman would. Yep. We also see that the the grandmother's lost it now that her son's dead. Yes, she's lost her child and she gets very crazy mother. Yeah, I mean, okay, so earlier she had mentioned something about the great thing about breastfeeding is that you can do it as long as you want to. Did you know that, a, like, ancient women can do no, it? No, it's, it's even after menopause, you could still milk as long as the glands are getting exercised or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and so she did mention it. So she's aware it's gonna of it. It's going to become an issue. So there's, there's this whole, like, independent storyline with Vivian for a long time where she is just nuts. She yells at her husband for leaving his tie on the bed. Calling it a pigsty. Yeah, like because he's getting ready for something, and it's well, they're getting. I think they're getting ready for their son's funeral, which is why I kind of think that she's just gone nuts at this point, right? But it's not like a moment where I'm in a high stress situation. My my son has passed away. I'm going to his funeral. I would get that, but they paint this as a blanket thing. This is just how she is all the time, and this has only exacerbated that. And yeah, so it's, uh, but yes, this whole independent storyline with her and her husband, she's very controlling, very domineering. She starts to massage her own breasts. She's going to try to take this kid away from Madeline later when we find out that the kid survives. And there, there's that sex scene that we mentioned earlier. She's just weird. Yeah. And it's just for, and look, I'm not trying to say that these people don't exist. They might. There might be plenty of women that are like this. But it doesn't add to the story. Yeah. All it means is that she's this woman who is kind of standing in the way of her and her baby. It also makes it to where there's, like, no one to like in this movie. You don't like Penelope? Not really. I understand why she does the things that she does. I don't think she does anything that makes me dislike her. There are moments where she should have obviously gone to a doctor. Well, do you mean after the child is born? Yes. You can't go to a doctor at that point. Why not? Uh, because the baby's dead. But the baby's alive. But the baby's dead. Well, if that's the case, don't you think you want medical no, experts looking at it? because if the baby's dead, they're going to do all kinds of tests on that It's thing. alive and breathing and eating and moving and making but noise and crying. the indication is that it is decomposing in some way because flies want her. Yes. So the idea is that this baby is decomposing. And so you think you have a scenario where you have a dead baby come to life and it's decomposing and you think that the better solution is to put up flypaper than to go to medical experts. For this woman? Because this woman doesn't want to lose her baby. They're going to take it away. I understand. I under- I'm not saying I don't understand her motivations. I'm saying she's making bad decisions. Oh, Sure. But I don't think that she does any. She doesn't it's hard do to root that, for her. I, she doesn't do anything that I think that like makes her a bad person. Like at any point in this movie, if somebody had actually gotten in her way and prevented her from doing the things that she does, I wouldn't have been that miffed about it. Like there was no tense moment where I'm like, oh, my God, she's going to get caught. Because part of me was like, I hope she gets caught. 
You know what I mean? I was just very concerned for that baby the whole time. Sure. I know you shouldn't be. But it's not the baby's no, fault. No, no, no. I don't, I don't really have a problem with the baby. But anyway, let's go. Okay, so she has the baby. She carries it to term. And it's dead. And they just kind of watch her over the video. She's laying with this baby. And then when Patricia comes back in. She's going to take it away. Yeah. It's nursing. Yep. It's alive. And they're all just like miracles, I guess. Here's a weird choice. She then says they all then agree that they're just going to say that the baby died. And the baby's really alive. Uh Uh-uh. Yes. The mother, Vivian says... She said the baby was dead and then Inside it was born. Of her. Yeah, it, and di- then it, it died. Was born and it lived. She was never told that. That's the problem. Pretty sure she did tell her that, which is why she wanted the baby back. How else would she know that she had it? Maybe. I don't know. There was confusion there. Okay. Because then what's the problem? Like, who cares then? If no, the baby- she thinks she's crazy because she's like, she told me it died and then she gave birth to it and it was suddenly alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So clearly she's crazy is what the grandma's thinking. Sure. But if the baby is alive and you want to take the baby away, then she's not crazy. Right. No, the grandmother's just looking for any excuse to take it totally. away. And she gets the doctor to, he's going to write a note to lie and say that she's an unfit mother because he's done malpractice. So and she she's going to save make him because she's a away. judge. And they don't even tell you what the malpractice yep. is. That's how unimportant this story is. I mean, is. you imagine that it's something weird and sexual, but then when he does the whole, like, old school tools to make her milk, he's like, you could turn the other way. Like, I'm not. I think it's just that he jumps the gun a lot. And makes bad decisions and people and die. says, yeah. hey, do this. And then uh-huh. they're like, uh, you didn't need to do that. Yeah. Fair enough. Ew, there's a part. So, okay, so the flies start coming in. And the, there's one part where the fly goes up the kid's nose. Ah! And she freaks out. And then it comes back out. And she's it's like, oh, God. so gross. And the baby, like, starts to get, uh, like, bruises and is bleeding and stuff because it's not eating. Yeah. And... I'm so concerned. Like, at one point, a fly lands on it, and I kind of jumped, and Chris was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm so worried about the baby. Yeah. And so what's the first thing that Penelope does when she realizes her kid's not eating to get it to eat? Where does her mind go almost well, immediately? Well, no, firstly, she, tro- she gets her to eat. And then the baby spits up all the milk. Yeah. Which also, oh, did a baby spit up after breastfeeding? Is that but it was unusual? All of it. I okay. mean, usually it's just a little Fine. bit. Spits it all back up and then it starts to suck blood out of her. And it's so gross. Uh, like, what do you mean sucks blood out of her? It's supposed to be eating and it's taking blood out of she, her. Yeah, she realizes she's bleeding. Yes. And it's nasty, nasty, nasty. So she discovers my baby needs blood. So what is her stupid? This is my point. What it like? She goes. She, thinks this she is- goes to a butcher and buys all this meat, and then drains it of all the fluid, which is mostly water, by the way. It's not, not blood. blood. Squeezes it into a shake or something like that. It's one of the first things you it. learn when you start cooking, because when you're a kid, you're like, ah, it's all blood and gross. And your mom's like, no, it's not blood. It's not blood. Like, you learn that as a child. Right. And and then she just throws out that meat because she isn't going to eat it. Such a waste of so much food. No, well, sorry. She doesn't throw it out. She puts it in her compost. <laughs> Come on. But then the baby is like dying because it's been poisoned with all this shit that you yeah, just gave it. Yeah, uh-huh. Because it ain't blood. And it's really creepy. The 
midwife is watching her. So yes, so Patricia comes to visit and brings like a toy oh, and stuff like that. A makes while a comment ago. Uh, makes a comment about Jonesy and this is how, oh yeah, you know what what's her face used to say? PB and J. Yeah, uh-huh. And it's like, okay, so they obviously know each other, but it, it's also very obvious that they had a relationship prior. And then she just starts to stalk her. Which and, is why the assistant stops taking messages from the other yes. lady, because she's worried that they're going to get back together. When Madeline, Jordan Ladd, Penelope, starts calling and panicking and calling the midwife, yes, the assistant answers and then tells the midwife, Patricia, that, oh, it's the guy who owns the camper that you're trying to buy. Like, well, then why wouldn't you let me talk to him? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Anyway, yeah, and, and so Patricia just, like, starts showing up and sitting in her car and, like, watching the house. And then one time... When Madeline sees that there's a car outside her house and there's somebody sitting in it and Patricia knows she's been seen, she doesn't like get out of the car and just say, hey, you know, what? I just showed up. I figured I'd see how you're doing or whatever and act like she hasn't been sitting there for half an hour. She just drives away. Making it very obvious that yeah. she was watching. Like, come on. <laughs> but they needed these two not to have contact because... Patricia can't really know what's going on in order for the plot to take place. But so the doctor that she's that the grandmother's trying to get to write this note comes to her house. Uh-huh. But she's too smart. She's not going to fucking let him into the house. Uh-huh. And she pretends like she's not there. And the doctor's like, "Well, I can't do anything if I don't see her. Like yeah. I can't just I, I'm but I don't understand why he can't if you're just going to make it up." Just make it up. I think he's he's looking for any reason he possibly can. It's like a police officer thing where it's like, just shut up because they will use absolutely everything you say against you. And so it's the same sort of thing where he could find any excuse. He just needs to see her. Right. But why even have to see her? Because because he's just going to make it up. He doesn't have to make it up if he sees her. If he makes it up, there's danger that it can be refuted. But if he just sees her, he could turn anything into a bad thing. But he needs to see her first. But... He does somehow get in. He shows up again because Vivian tells him he has to show up again. He shows up again and Madeline thinks it's Patricia. She's panicking now at this point. Mm. And so she goes to the door and is like, oh, freaking out. And he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And the baby is in its crib right now. So she doesn't have to worry about him seeing it. Yeah. But so he is in there and she's talking to him and he can hear the baby over the monitor and it's labored breathing. Yeah. uh And he's like, your baby's sick. And she's like, no, she's fine. And he's like, no, I'm going to go see that baby. And that is when... She smashes a glass bottle over his head, knocking him out, drags him into the bathroom, slices open one of his veins with some scissors. This takes a very long time. Pours the blood into the baby bottle. Very long time. Yeah. All the while, the grandmother is on her way over. And I wrote down, this movie is very good at making me squirm. Fuck this crazy grandma hoe bitch bag. (laughs) I was so mad at her at this point because she just wouldn't leave. No, but like at this point, I'm like, something needs to happen. This baby is obviously going to die. Well, I think that like the grandma, so she's in the middle of trying to get the blood for the baby. Did she already get the blood for the baby and give it to her? And she dropped the bottle. Oh, she dropped the bottle. Okay, so. And so it shattered in blood everywhere. Like, you know, you don't need to be such a hippie that you use glass bottles. 
Why would she use glass? Like glass would be more terrifying. As opposed for your to child. the BPA or BPE or whatever it is that's in plastic doesn't don't want that near your baby. Terrifying. It's like, yeah, like so you just have glass that can shatter. Yeah. Cool. At one point though, yeah. So I think the grandmother comes in. She's already dropped the blood. So now she's dealing with the grandmother who asks to use the loo. To go to the loo before I go home. Yeah. I'm sorry, did we suddenly go to Britain? I, you know what? You know, I have an aunt who's very much an Anglophile who would very much say something like that. Just those old, distinguished, sort of New England types who, you know, might put on affectations like that. But the cat hisses at her, which I liked. Yes. The cat's on her, the mom's So side. she's gonna fucking kill the cat! Well, you think so, but they don't. We hear a thud. Well, yeah, but we see the cat later. Also, like, suddenly the glass is missing. I wrote down, where is the glass? Okay, Shouldn't so she this be is walking what on glass right now? Yes, so the grandmother goes in and finds, like, steps on the glass and is like, what the heck? She no. has her shoes on. Vivian is there to steal the baby. Mm-hmm. So she grabs the baby and she starts to leave. When Madeline realizes that Vivian might be doing something with the baby, she runs into the room barefoot, walking all over where that glass would be, and there's no sound, there's no reaction, (laughs) she doesn't look down at the floor ever, and you're like, where the fuck did the glass go? (laughs) But yeah, she sees the body, and she's like, oh shit, the grandmother does, because now she's like... Because uh, she didn't think that the mother was actually doing anything bad. She just wanted the baby for herself. Now it's like, oh, fuck, you're a murderer. Yeah. And she's got the hammer. So the grandmother feels justified in hitting. But I want to say that she grabbed that hammer before she saw the body. But once she saw the body, she's like, oh, I feel good about it now. And she hits Penelope with the hammer. But Penelope rips out her neck with her yeah, teeth. Uh-huh. And it's great. And Patricia... Because you do not like the grandmother. She is crazy. Patricia, who finds out that her assistant has been lying to her about the messages she's been getting, assumes that it must have been Madeline that's calling. Because she calls the RV people and they're like, what? Yeah, no, we lost your number. I'm glad you called. And like, wait a minute, didn't you call and talk to my assistant? No. Is this Corey? Hi, it's Patricia Lang calling about the motorhome. I'm sorry it took me so long to get back. Um, I wanted to go ahead and move forward. Oh, I was going to call you back, but I lost your number. I thought you left a message with Shelly. Shelly? Shelly, my assistant. And, you know, it's obvious that she has a relationship with her assistant because the assistant's very jealous and it's like, you know, whatever. This woman. (laughs) But so she shows up. All this happens at the same exact time because it's such great timing. Yes. So then Patricia shows up right as they're, you know, fighting. No, she shows up right at the end. And what does she find? Baby's drinking grandma's blood. Oh, is that what's happening? Yeah, baby wants that blood. Oh, right, yes. And Madeline's been kind of knocked out. And then so we get a jump forward in time, and we see the camper, and... They're together. They're together. Except they've changed their hair. They cut it really short, and they've dyed it. And at first, it's just... The doctor. The doctor, Patricia, that we see... And then we hear it, like, talking to Jonesy, and she's like, okay, she has Jonesy. And then we hear her talk to the baby and goes into the back room, and Madeline's back there breastfeeding the baby. Not looking too good. No, she's not. And she's like, oh, my God, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, but we need a, something like another solution or whatever. She needs because, more now. Well, and she started 
teething. She's teething. Which is a fun little gag at the end. It's but then like, she reveals her boob and she's eating her boob. Yeah. If you've ever seen Nip Tuck, I think it is. Yeah. There's an episode where a woman has had her breast chewed off by her dog because she would put peanut butter on her boob and her dog would lick it. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it looked very similar. <laughs> and that's uh, that's the end of the movie. Yes. Other things I have written down here, which I'm very surprised you didn't mention. I did write down the only person whose actions I actually sort of understand is Madeline, ironically. Everyone else either sucks and is weird or behaves irrationally. Even when I disagree with her, I get why. Except maybe for keeping the fucking windows open. Mm-hmm. Close a goddamned window. Because of all the flies. Yes. I, but they don't show that the windows are open. They show they the do. first time. And they do show the windows are open. The window. and I, so I'm just kind of like, how are they so getting in? after I wrote that, I wrote, you know what? Never mind. Everyone's weird or irrational. I don't like anybody in this movie. And then I have written down, it keeps doing this frame dropping effect, like this fake slow-mo, like what we saw in Bless the Child. When she brings the pigeon back to life. <laughs> What's her name? How did Cody? This? Cody brought Cody the, bird, brought the back. bird back. Yeah, or something like that. And it does that a lot. I didn't notice. Yeah, and I was like, well, maybe it could be our connection or whatever. So that's why, if you remember, I rewound at one point in the movie. Because I saw it. I'm like, let me just make sure that's not our connection. So I rewound, and it happened ex- in the same exact way in the same exact place. Hmm. It's not just the streaming. Hmm. So, yeah, it was very weird. And it seemed like unimportant moments. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> do you have anything else to say about this movie? No. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm sure it's low. 50? 72. Oh, shit. Higher than Psycho 2. Holy shit. Though not entirely effective as a conventional horror flick, Grace is still a graphic, disturbing, and artful exploration of twisted maternal instinct. A 52 Metacritic. Do you think it's overrated or underrated? Overrated. Yes, absolutely it is. 72 is too damn high. I'm going to give it a 60. I was thinking maybe 60 at the highest. It's whatever. It's not like offensive. Like I didn't watch this and I wasn't no. crazy angry or anything. And it's not It's not incompetent filmmaking or anything. The two main actresses are fine. It's just, it's not great. I think I'll give it a 53. Okay. Low to mid 50s. That makes sense. It's just, it didn't intrigue me in any way. Not really. It was all incredibly predictable. None of the characters were likable by the end of the movie. Yeah, just, mm, it's not incompetent. And that's what's saving it, I think. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of, a lot of just why. Why this? Why that? It just seems why like a very unimportant film. Why are you, why are you framing it this way? It just exists. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is a bummer. It is an unnecessary film, almost, it feels like. Oh, and we didn't even mention, the reason it's called Grace, the baby's name is Grace. Yes, the baby's name is Grace. (laughs) All right, that is 2009's Grace, thus ending our Mother's Day episode. Kelsey, what are we watching next week? We are going to be watching Tremors and The Host. Yeah, the Tremors. So excited for Tremors. I loved Tremors when I was a kid. When I was a kid, Tremors scared me. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it scared me, too. <laughs> but I, I like I really liked it because there's a lot of time that's spent on the surface with the people. And I love the concept of just something burrowing underground. These graboids, as they end up calling them. Oh, like grabbers. 
I guess. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm a big fan. And Kevin Bacon, obviously, Michael Gross. There's a lot of really cool elements of Tremors. And so I'm really excited to do this one. Also, we got to get the franchise started because, <laughs> oh boy, there are a lot of those. <laughs> and we're watching it with the host, Bong Joon-ho's The Host from 2006. That's the another one where a sort of subterranean monster uh, attacks people on the surface. So really excited about that too. I love that one. That one's actually a lot of fun. I've never seen it. This is the guy who made Parasite and won the Academy Award for it. So gotta say, I think it's overrated. Parasite? Yeah. I liked Parasite. I a lot. liked it, but I didn't think it deserved all the accolades it got. And I know you really don't like Snowpiercer, which is his movie. I hate Snowpiercer. That's a bummer. I've, I've never seen it because Kelsey won't watch it again, and she watched it without me. But I have seen The Host, and I really like it. And it's a little low budget, so, you know, you're going to maybe see some effects that are like, Ugh. but it's still pretty dang good. I would I would recommend you watch it right now. So that'll be next week. Until then, you can find us on our website, podcemetery.com, and get a list of every movie we've ever covered in alphabetical order. So if you're going through a backlog, you can find a movie that you know you'll like or you want to hear us talk about and just listen to that episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We post a lot of extra stuff on Twitter. For instance, our last episode on Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Master, tons and tons of stuff we posted to Twitter. So make sure you're following us there at Pod Cemetery. Subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice. Rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Kinder kills, cleaner cuts. Carl's cows have no antibiotics and no synthetic growth hormones. Addicted to the sacred place To see the dream I can't escape Molding some fangs but are picking up bones Spirits moaning among the tombstones We then see Norman go inside and like take a bite of a sandwich And you're like why is this, why is this in here? Why did we need to see him go in, sit down, eat the sandwich and then hear a noise of Sarah's. Why didn't he just come in and hear the noise well, of Sarah's? Well, it needed to be a natural sort of moment. Felt awkward. Also, sandwiches are really key to the true Psycho franchise. That is true. He does make a lot of sandwiches. <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> now I want a sandwich. <laughs> We're going to get lunch after this. Nothing like a dirty mattress in the basement of a murderer to get me hot. <laughs> And Lila's, Lila's, and Lila is like his mama boynish. I've only had one friend. No, I've had two friends that went vegan, and then they both returned to vegetarianism. Uh huh. Because it's very difficult to be a vegan. It is dropped in the, the blood. That's a really good one. <laughs>